Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. We're in the sixth week on a series of Through the Bible in seven weeks. We're doing kind of a quick tour, a flyover, if you will, of um, going through the Bible. Uh, my goal is to, is to try to spark some interest and appetite in you for God's Word. The greatest tragedy of our day, one of the greatest tragedies of our day, is we have God's Word for us, for our life, for these days, and people are just not in God's Word or not understanding God's Word. Part of that reason is they have some apprehension, some hesitancy. Can I even understand it, you know? And, and the reality is you can. So we're trying to reduce or remove some of that apprehension, really spark some interest in you to get into God's Word. And uh, remember that the Bible is divided into two sections. The first part of that is the Old Testament. The second part is the New Testament. And the Old Testament is prior to Jesus, pointing to Jesus. Then the New Testament uh, is the arrival of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, and then the results after that. And we put that all together into 66 books. Let's quickly look where we have been. And we have looked at the beginning, the first five books. Then we went into the history books then the uh, wisdom books right in the middle of the Bible, then the prophets, and then last week we looked at the Gospels, and today I want to move on to the letters, the letters. And the letters, your Bible might even say epistle, and that is a, a fancy word coming to us from the Greek uh, and meaning letters. And if you look at that word epistle, actually some of the, uh, where that word comes from, uh, same kind of thing as post office or post it is something that is written prepared for someone else and delivered to them and so we have these letters we have these epistles for us as new testament believers now they were uh and, and let me say this too when we were in the the wisdom books i told you always be in the proverbs remember that proverb every day y'all with me proverb every day last week we we're in the gospels and i told you you need to be in the gospels all the time remember that and so you do, all the time, be touring through the Gospels. Well, today I want to tell you, always be in the letters. What's your point, Pastor? Always be in the Bible, okay? And those are the hot spots right there, the wisdom for every day, uh, the Gospels so that you're following Jesus, and then the letters, instruction on how to live in these days. Now, I want to expand on that here, here today. They were written by the apostles, and uh, there's different types of letters. There's letters to the churches, there's letters to some leaders, and then there's general uh, letters or epistles that were written to groups. And the letters to the churches, for example, you, you've noticed in your Bible and in church and so forth, uh, maybe the, the book, the letter, the epistle to the Philippians. Well, that was to a group of believers, a church in Philippi. Or First and Second Corinthians, that was to the believers, to the church at Corinth and, and so forth. Then you also had some that were written to leaders. We'll, we'll look at those in a little bit. Timothy and Titus and Philemon. And then uh, to, to groups uh, by, some other, by some other writers. They were written, all of these were written by the apostles. So the apostle, really, uh, apostle actually means one that is sent. And so these, are, these were individuals that were sent out, commissioned, authorized by Jesus, they carried authority. These weren't just guys that just rambled out somewhere. They were, they were sent out. They carried Jesus' authority. Each one of the apostles 
had uh, both historic and personal experience with Jesus. Uh, all of them except Paul actually served with and lived with and worked with Jesus during his earthly ministry. Paul was the exception, and Paul uh, had uh, an encounter with Jesus post-resurrection and uh, a very dramatic encounter with Jesus. We first read about in Acts chapter 9, then it's a total of four or five other places throughout uh, the New Testament, this game-changing, history-changing encounter that Paul had uh, with Jesus. And then it was so important, so foundational that what the apostles taught, uh, the, the literal first church, the early believers, their whole life and faith and belief was built upon that. They devoted themselves to it, Acts chapter 2 says. Now, let's go ahead and look at all the books of these letters, and then we'll get past some of the classroomish part of this. But you've got the book of Acts, which is actually connects us with the Gospels, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Then we have all of these right here that were actually written to churches or groups of believers in some cities. Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Then we have the the leader letters uh, from Paul. These are, these from Romans down are from, written by Paul. These were written by Paul, 1st and 2nd Timothy, it's to Timothy, to Titus, and to Philemon. Hebrews, we're not sure of the author. There's debate about that, but this is an incredible standalone book uh, that carries so much truth for us. And then we have the general epistles or letters written by these guys. They're self-titled James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then the book of Jude. Let's go ahead, and like I said, there's no way we're going to be able to gather out of all of those today, but I want to drop in on a few places. Let's start out with the book of Acts. Everybody say Acts. And as you might guess from the title, there's some action with this. Uh, Yet it is a history book as well. Written 30 to 40 years after Jesus' ministry and after he had uh, been resurrected. This is the story of the early church. These are the first believers. This is the story of the apostles, the story of the coming of the Holy Spirit, the story of the spreading of Christianity, uh, the story of persecutions, uh, miracles, and plenty, plenty of action. It's long by New Testament standards. It's 28 chapters, and the genre of this is history. And so it's actually written by Luke. Do you remember another book that Luke wrote? Luke, good, good. Some of our top students got that one. Uh, And Luke, remember, was a physician. He was very uh, detail-oriented, and he was a historian. And so he wrote the book of Luke, and really you need to read the book of Luke and then go right into uh, the book of Acts. And he covered in his history, continuation of, of Luke. Let's pick up in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Are you all with me? Stay with me. It's going to be worth it. Luke says, in my former book, Theophilus, and remember scholars think, and I, I think so too, he was a new believer. He was probably a wealthy guy who kind of helped to underwrite Luke to be able to go and do this research because he researched and he did uh, eyewitness interviews and so forth to track all of this down. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, his ascension, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 
40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, let me fill that in a little bit. A lot of people, common understanding would be this, a misunderstanding that, that, you know, Jesus died, rose again, and then right after that, he ascended into heaven. He actually was around for almost six weeks. And the reason was is because he had to speak to them about the kingdom of God. And if you'll recall at the end of the Gospels, uh, around the crucifixion, back up a little bit, the arrest, the betrayal, the crucifixion, resurrection, his closest followers were confused. His closest followers were afraid. His, uh, some of his closest followers doubted. And so now, post-resurrection, okay, they're back on the team, they're back on the bus, but he said, I've, I've got to spend some time to fill you back in, to connect some dots so you understand what I did and what you knew and what you see and what's coming ahead and to speak to them concerning uh, the kingdom of God. Very important thing there. Um, very pivotal in the book of Acts is the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit would show up on occasion, but the Holy Spirit uh, essentially was not in the earth and in people like he is now. And so it's the coming of the Holy Spirit. Look with me in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall get really, really weird. <laughs> no, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And it's very, very pivotal here, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Back up into the Gospel of John, and remember Jesus said this, I'm about to leave, and his disciples were sad and shocked. He said, but something better is going to happen for you. And they're probably thinking, how could better happen? You're with us. And so how could anything be better? He says, because when I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And he began to teach them about the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, it's better for you. He said, because when he comes, he will not only be with you, he will be in you. And he will teach you and strengthen you and guide you and help you. And Jesus, in his earthly body was limited to that, to that earthly body. And in essence, he was saying, when I'm with you in this way, that's all I can do is be with you. And I can't be with you all the time. And I can't be with you in all places. So it is to your advantage that I go away so that the Holy Spirit comes. And again, when he comes, he'll not only be with you, he will be in you. And this will be life changing for you. Now, I want to move a little bit past that. Can, can we go little bit deep just for a moment are you sure I hope so because otherwise I'm not prepared I'm, I'm, okay all of the New Testament letter writers the Apostles had an awareness and it shows up in their writing and I'm hoping that you'll start to get an eye and an ear for this as you read these letters these epistles they had a real awareness of what is called eschatology you don't even have to remember that word but it has to do with a timeline it has to do with the final matters the end of time the fulfillment of all things and so when they're writing don't miss this when they're writing they're super aware that we are living between ages we're living between ages all the prophets all of the history Jesus comes Jesus fulfills all the prophecy, completes his work of redemption, ascends into heaven, and the Holy Spirit comes. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says that the Holy Spirit is the deposit. Everybody say the deposit. He's the first installment. He's the earnest money. He's the guarantee. You ready for this? Remember Jesus ascended? 
Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit, by his coming, is the deposit that the future will come, that there's a whole nother time that will come, a whole nother dispensation after what we are still living in. And it's important that you know that because what, what is yet to come, theologians put it this way, we are living in the already but the not yet. So how many of you know the kingdom of God has come? Well, for the rest of you, the kingdom of God has come. But did you know it's not yet here in fullness? How many of you know that redemption has come? Redemption has come, but we're not yet in all of its fullness. And I'll tell you, we'll be able to see this. The Bible will end where the Bible began, back in perfection, back with God as everything and everything made right, everything at peace, everything made new. It will end where it began. We're not there yet. We're in a particular area, a unique period of time between the ages of what Jesus came to set it right, now what he wants to do during this time, and then it will all be set right. So now when we read the epistles, when we read the letters, read it with the eye, read it with the mind, read it with the ear, that these are instructions particularly for us and the days that we live. And it's super important that we live out this way and understand these things because of where we are at. It is vital that we have that take on it. Did that make any sense to you at all? Hopefully that will fill in as we go along and as you continue to study as well. Amen. There's more to come. I said there's more to come. And by the Holy Spirit coming, that was it. There's more to come. That all of this that God has promised and how God said, I will end this, that is ahead of us. Now, speaking of what is ahead of us, all the books that we've looked at, I've left one out. The book of Revelation. And next week we'll spend a whole week on the book of Revelation because it needs a whole week. And, and listen to me, I'm glad you're here today, but do not miss next week, okay? Because we're going to get into this incredible, incredible book. Now, listen quickly at the book of Romans. Romans. If the New Testament was a forest, then Romans are the tall, tall trees. Also written by Paul, A.D. 57. He wrote it from Corinth. And this is the heart. This is the soul. This is the mind of Christianity. This is all about righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. And it's the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Isaiah said that our righteousness is like what? Filthy rags. Our efforts to be right with God and to do right, horrible. Our best attempts, we fall so far short. But what Jesus has done is to give us righteousness, which means we have right standing with God. And so get this regarding righteousness. Righteousness, Romans reveals, righteousness is by grace alone, it's through faith alone, and it's in Jesus alone. Read that with me. Righteousness by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. So the righteousness that we have is not just right standing with God where it's inside me and it's personal. It is also interpersonal. When we're right standing with God, we handle things and people the right way. Come on, bob your head with me. And so it's personal and it's interpersonal. There must be an outworking of that right relationship with God. There must be an outworking of what he has done for us and in us. It must also go through us. 
And so in the earth today, we are to live lives of righteousness, which doesn't mean we stand on the corner and yell at other people. We live in right relationship with God, personal, and then we live in right ways with people and things around us. It's interpersonal. It's the outworking of that righteousness. Now, the first half of the book of Romans is deeply theological, but keep reading because it's not that long. And then it bridges in the second half of it. Paul becomes very pastoral, and what he's trying to do is help you to apply what you've learned in the first half of it. And then in the end of chapter 7, right in the middle of Romans, y'all with me? The end of chapter 7, Paul becomes very vulnerable. He's been super deep theologically, and all of a sudden he becomes just like you and me. And he says some things that sound just like you and me. Let me read a few things that he says. He said, I don't do what I know that I should do. I do what I know I shouldn't do. I don't understand myself. He said that. He said, I want to do good, but I end up not doing good. I don't want to do wrong, and then I end up doing wrong. And he says, don't get me wrong. I love God with everything that is in me, but there's something warring inside of me that with my greatest efforts, I just can't seem to do right, not consistently. And he said, can anybody help me? Is there anybody that can set me free from this? And then he finishes chapter 7, and he says, thank God. Thank God Jesus did, and Jesus will. And we roll over into chapter 8 of Romans, and it says, and the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets me free from the law of sin and death. And then he goes on and tell, tells you how to discover it. Read Romans. Read Romans. Now let me move along quickly. Many of the letters were written to deal with situations and problems in the churches. And you have to understand all the churches was new. This whole thing was new. Christianity was essentially a brand new thing. And so he had to deal with false teachers and false teaching and error and division and sin and, and culture. There were cultural things that were uh, crowding into the church. For example, in First and Second Corinthians, um, understand this. The believers there were new believers by default because, like I said, this is all brand new. Corinth was a port city. It was on the Gulf of, of Corinth. And ships would come there. It was a major port, a major center for commerce and exchange, and a real mixing pot of people from all over the world. And so you have this major bustling port. And this is what they would do. Get this. Ships would come in. They would offload the cargo. They're coming from everywhere. They would offload the cargo, and then they would pull the ship out of the water, and they would put them on rollers, and they would have slaves, thousands of slaves, that would drag on these rollers the ships and the cargo across about four miles of land to another port that was on the Aegean Sea. Later, somebody got wise and they dug a canal. I believe it was one of the laborers said, hey, boss, I have an idea, okay? <laughs> but they would, they would do all of that to get it across to that other port because it would save them, dragging those four miles, it would save them two to three weeks of sailing time 
and treacherous weather and, and, and waters. Well, while all of that is being moved and drug, guess what? Corinth was filled with these sailors and all the labors on the ship. And Corinth became one of the worst places ever on the planet, literally the first and worst sin city. And it encroached upon everything, even the temple. There were so many things that it encroached upon. And now these, the gospel comes to Corinth. And now there's believers. They're believing Jesus. And so they're coming out of that ungodly pagan culture. But that culture is all around them. It's in them. It's on them. It's in their temples and everything else. And so Paul has to give some good, clear instruction to help them come out. So part of the, part of the purpose of the letters was to help them to handle things like that. Other letters were written to clarify and correct things that, that Jesus had said or not said. There were people misrepresenting or misunderstanding. For example, you had the Judaizers, which were Jewish Christians, who they were now Christians, but they believed that you still had to do all the ceremony and all the sacrifices and all the things of the Old Testament law. And not only did they believe they had to do that to show faith, they also imposed that upon Gentile believers. So Paul had to write in several places and let them know Jesus fulfilled all the law. Jesus himself was the sacrifice. He completed all the ceremony. He completed all the sacrifice. He completed all of those practices. And now we have new life in him. So part of the letters had to deal with that as well. Heavy emphasis in all the letters on one another. Everybody say one another. 56 times in the, in the New Testament letters, it, it talks about the emphasis of how we are to care for one another. And then quickly, we had the letters to the leaders. These were the pastoral letters written by Paul to Timothy, to Titus, and Philemon. And this would be like Paul writing to Timothy or to Titus. Uh, right, that'd be like Michael Jordan coming to your house and working with you every day on your shot. Okay? It was like that. And so what he did, and one of the major things besides teaching them, he talked about qualifications. Everybody say qualifications. You know, in ministry, and Billy Graham said this years ago, some are sent and some just went. And you want to make sure that in ministry that people are qualified to be pastors, to be leaders, to be teachers. There's godliness that has to be a part of their life. There has to be a commitment to sound doctrine. There has to be some knowledge of what God wants and order for the church. And, and Paul sets that in place through Timothy, through Titus, through Philemon. These are incredible books that we all benefit, benefit by here even today. And then lastly, I just want to touch base on some of the general letters. All the other letters were written by Paul. These were written by some different authors. Peter, James, John, Jude. Let's look real quick at the book of James. James. James is the New Testament wisdom book. Look at me for this, dude. I hope I don't hurt the other authors. It's absolutely one of my favorite books in the whole wide Bible because it's earthy, it's in your face, it's to the point, it is practical and useful every day where he just gives us on our level the wisdom that we need to know how to live this life. And James was, did you know this? Jesus' half-brother. He was his half-brother. He was also the head of the council in Jerusalem. He essentially, after Jesus had ascended into heaven, James uh, essentially was the leader for the, early, for the early church across all of the known world. And here's something out of James. Let's look real quick and just James 1.5. Just give you a sample here. It says, if you need wisdom, 
If you need wisdom, here's what you do. You Google it. <laughs> or you order it on Amazon Prime. No, better yet, you know what you do if you need wisdom? Let me just ask, does anybody need wisdom? Yes. Uh, let me ask y'all, do you need wisdom? Yes. But here's what you do. You ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. I'm telling you what, that is an incredible thing right there in the book of James. Look in verse 22, James 1, 20. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. You know what, if you hear the word and you don't do it, you cooperate with the enemy of your soul. Look one more here in James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Aren't you glad he told us that? And, and keep in mind, we're living between the ages. These are things to make sure you're going to need wisdom. Ask God, he'll give it to you. Don't just hear the word, do the word so you don't get off track. And just on and on and on, we find out here some great wisdom that comes from James. And then one last book, Jude. Jude. Jude was also Jesus' half-brother. And I want you to think about this for a moment. James and Jude grew up with Jesus. And yet they still followed him. And they served him. And you know what else they did? They died a martyr's death for him. I would think if there's anybody... Anybody that would question if he was really who he claimed to be, it might would be his half-brothers. Yet they had no problem, no issue with him actually being God himself in human form. And if, like I said, if anybody had issue with who Jesus claimed to be, it would be these two guys that grew up with him and followed him around. And you know what? They ended up not only following him, they served with him, they worshiped him as Lord, and they even gave up their lives for him. I want to hear what those guys have to say. Amen? All of that together, guess what? We're living between ages. There's specific information that is for us now. So we know how to live in this life. To keep the right perspective. If the Bible says treat people this way or forgive or do this or don't do that. It's not just this list of do's and don'ts. It's specific to the time that we're living in. And as we do that, he's been so gracious to get it to us. And listen, it's all right there. Right where? Right in your lap, right in your tablet, right in your phone, right on your computer. Right, it's right there on the shelf. It's right there. And I can't encourage you enough. Pick it up. Read it. Believe it. Follow it. And it will be life-changing and so helpful in the days that we're in. Let me share one last thing with you. Not only do we have instruction, we have comfort. Everybody say comfort. And we have encouragement. Everybody say encouragement. And they needed it. They needed it in the day it was written because they were in such a mix of days and times. Look at me. We're in a mix of days and times. You know, right now across the world, there are pockets of revival and evangelism where people are coming to Jesus by the droves. But also in the same day, there's more persecution over Christianity than ever before in history. There's resistance and rejection of Christianity. We're in a mix of days. You know, on one day, we celebrate a royal wedding. And the day before, there's a shooting in a school. We need comfort. We need encouragement. We need instruction. And it's all right there in the letters just for us. Amen. Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? Amen. Hey, real quick, 
Real quick, let me have every head bowed, every eye closed. And listen, if you have never opened your heart and received Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And if you today you are a believer and you say, I need to get some things right with the Lord, hop in on this prayer. All of us, let's pray this together right now. Father God, thank you for your plan, for your wisdom, for your strength. You are God. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you, Jesus, for coming for me to die in my place, to rise again, to send the Holy Spirit, to give me your word so I could have help in this life and a home in heaven forever. Forgive me today. I receive you today. I thank you today. I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, look at me real quick. Normally, I have the ushers come, but I kind of ran us out of time. There should be a card in the seat back in front of you who prayed that prayer for the first time. Or we'll have ushers at the door, and you can get a card from them. Here's what the card's about. Just a little bit of information from you so that we can get some important information to you. Because, you know, some people say, I prayed that prayer. That's all it took. I thought it'd be harder. Listen, Jesus did the heavy lifting. Okay, so we receive what he has done for us. Then we begin to take steps in our relationship with God. That's what the information's about is to help you in that. So please get a card in front of you or get one from the ushers at the door and get that back to us. They'll have those buckets right there and we'll get that information to help you to walk in your walk with God. Amen. Well, it's been an awesome morning. I pray you have a blessed, blessed day. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Peace. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.